0: Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of pastor Immanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. And so I want to lay a doctrinal foundation this afternoon and then we'll delve even deeper this evening with some demonstrations, Amen. And then we'll cap it up tomorrow morning with an impartation. I don't want you to miss it for anything. You see, some things you're going to hear today, you're going to hear for the first time. But put on your thinking caps. So this is a Bible study. You see, it's called deeper for a reason. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so besides miracles, besides signs and all all those things that you you should expect, and rightly so, you should live here with a stronger foundation in the Word of God. Because I tell you from experience, when it comes to authority, you must know it. You must know it in the deep recesses of your being. If you don't know it, the devil knows how to descend. He can smell lack of confidence. Come on, are you with me? So when the Bible tells you to stand in the liberty wherein Christ has made you free, you do that with revelation, with in-depth revelation in God. And I'm telling you again, you're going to need it. So, I'm going to start with a text, a text that we all know very well. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Open your Bibles. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Everybody read together one, two, go. Oh, my God. You know, I want to demonstrate this just so that you can get it. Please come. What's your name? God bless you. I think you're the perfect person for this example. (laughs) Now, you come. I want to ask you a question. If you were driving on the road of Portacourt, and these two people are on the road, he's a civilian, but he tries to stop you. As you're driving. And he says, stop! But she has her police uniform. And she says, stop. Who will you answer? Why? Does it have anything to do with does, does she look muscular than he is? So why will you stop for her and you won't stop for him? Just imagine a civilian trying to stop you. You are driving on Port Road, 9 p.m. And then a civilian does like this. Instead of stopping, you will press the <laughs> accelerator more, right? <laughs> you either clear or we clear you. <laughs> Is it stop in Portacot in the night, right? <laughs> You're wondering, how do I know? <laughs> you guys are popular. <laughs> but anyway, so listen the reason you stop has nothing to do with capacity. You stop because of authority. There is a difference. Because if it was based on capacity, he should have the right to stop you. Come on, are you with me? But we are not dealing with capacity here. So, I said that to say this. There is a difference between authority and power. You know, I learned this for the first time reading a book by Papa Hagen, in 2008. And he was explaining why the KJV rendition of Luke ten nineteen is not correct. Because in Luke 1019, KJV, it says, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. But that's not correct. And newer translations get it right. In the newer translations, it says, Behold, I give you what? And there's a difference. Well, first and foremost, authority is backed by power, but authority is not power. There are two different things. The reason you stop for her when she says, Stop. It's because you know that it is not just her. If she has a uniform, there is a whole system backing her up. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a whole So, the, the, when she says stop, the government is asking you to stop. It is who she represents that you are responding to, not her capacity. And so this is the mentality of authority. You you have to understand it. I give you power. Yes, you have power. He says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But listen, there is also a consciousness of authority that helps you deploy. That helps you. Oh my God, it's like a legal right. Someone gave this brilliant illustration that helps to nail this. When you're dealing with authority, you are dealing with legality. Do you understand that? Authority describes why it is right for a policewoman to have a gun and wrong for an armed robber to have a gun. Because if they have guns, they are both powerful, but they don't both have authority. So, authority describes legality. So, God says, I give you the right, the legally way. To trample upon serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, he says, "And nothing shall by enemies hurt you." Oh, I know what I'm saying. Casting out the devil, sometime in 2010, he did like this. It's because of God. Oh, I say yes. It's because of God. Come out. I give you the right. It must be a consciousness. Not everybody who has power understands authority. Are you aware? So there is a training in authority. So he says, behold. The first word he spoke there is behold. You have to see it. You have to know it. And I want to tell you something. Especially when it comes to confronting the spiritual realm. If you lose God... If you are not confident in your authority, then you will see drama. You will see drama. So you have to stand properly. If you don't know this, I have seen many prayerful people who don't understand authority. I have seen many people who come to church regularly who don't understand authority. He says, I give you the right. I give you the authority. I give you the legal backing. Oh my God. To tread upon serpents and scorpions. He says, You will do it and get away with it. He says, And nothing shall by any means. Come on, are you with me? I said, You will do it and get away with it. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. It's an understanding. You know, when they came back rejoicing, anyway, let me allow you go. Put your hands together for them. <laughs> Hallelujah! Listen to me. Listen to me, and never forget this. You know, they came back rejoicing and saying, "Oh, the demon demons were subject to us in, our, in your name." Background of the story: Jesus had sent his disciples, you know, and gave them power over unclean spirits. So they came back with results, and they were rejoicing. Two things Jesus said. He says, "Behold." I saw sit and fall like lightning. Oh my God! Meaning, first and foremost, I my God, what you, what you came to discover by experience, I saw by revelation. Do you understand what I'm saying? They thought they brought news for Jesus, but Jesus saw it. That means there is what to see before what to experience. This is as simple as this is is life changing. So he's trying to help them see so that it won't be dependent on experience. So he says, behold, I give you power. I keep using the cage of it. Behold, I give you authority. You get it, right? So there is what to see first before you experience. They knew by experience. Ah, they were surprised. We tried it. It worked. He says, come on. I saw Satan fall like lightning. And then the next thing he said, oh my God. He says, don't rejoice because demons are subject to us, uh, subject to you in my name. He didn't say that because that's not something to rejoice about. That's something to rejoice about. But he's telling them there is something more important. He said, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Oh my God. Have you read that in the Bible before? So what he was letting them know is that the position is more important than the experience. The position is more important. Everything you experience is on account of the position. And so he's explaining why the experience is as they had experienced it. He says, don't you get? See that I've given you rights, authority, legal backing to trample upon serpents and scorpions. Don't let it be dependent on experience. If it is dependent on experience. Some days you'll be happy and, and enthusiastic, and some other days you'll be sad. Uh-uh. Behold, see it. He's teaching them something that is beyond experience, more important than experience. He says, Behold, I give you power. He didn't say, Oh, you have seen that I give you power. He wasn't talking about their experience, he was talking about revelation. Are you getting this now? Behold. I give you authority, authority, legal backing to trample, to thread upon serpents and scorpions and over every dunamis of the enemy. So there is no dunamis of the enemy that is beyond authority. Come on, are you with me? They have different names, different cults. All of them, he says, step on it. Oh my God. And it's very graphic. Two things he said. I saw Satan fall. And then now he said, step on him. Oh God. Are you with me? Yes, sir. He said, I saw Satan fall. He now says, now step on him. Step on him. I want to show you how. To live life with the devil under your feet. There is a school of the spirit to exercise that. I saw Satan fall. Now, trample on him. Trample on him. Step on his head. You have the right. You have the right. If a human was on the floor, you excuse. But if the devil is on the floor, on your way. If you are ever going about your divine purpose and you find the devil on the floor in your way, step on him and pass. Hallelujah. He says, I give you the right. He said, don't apologize for it. I give you the right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I said authority emphasizes position and identity. Say position and identity. And power emphasizes capacity. Both are important. But I want to help you see position and identity. There's another text that actually says behold also this that's the same way look at first John chapter 3 verse 1 first John chapter 3 verse 1 oh glory to God first John chapter 3 verse 1 if you know the Word of God this will excite you with a text to shout about we'll read but the first part just the first part of it for now come on are you ready Everybody read with excitement One, two, go (laughs) Listen, even if you don't know the Bible You can literally feel the temperature And the excitement of the person that is writing this You could tell that, Like he's sharing good news with you He said, behold of love what lavish generosity the father has given to us that we should be called the sons of God listen this is such a great privilege this is such an honor what manner of love I told you this is the highest rank that anyone besides God can have you son of God what a privilege that's something that stirs up envy in the spirit realm I'm going to show it to you I want you to announce to the people by your side, say, I'm a child of God. I'm a a child of God. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm a child of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. And look at the next part of that verse. Put it up quickly. It says, therefore the world does not know us. Have you ever seen a policeman without his uniform? Now, someone who doesn't know might find himself in big trouble. Just rem- imagine someone, maybe, who is a Yahoo boy, an internet fraudster, and that's wrong, all right? If you're doing that, you should repent. You know, you are talking to a policeman because he's not wearing his uniform. You don't know who you're talking to. Ah, a guy, you know, I define Pikao. <laughs> and he's like, tell me about it, tell me more. <laughs> and whilst you're talking, he begins to roll his handcuff like this. And you're wondering, what are you doing with handcuffs? Hallelujah. He's saying, just the same way you may see a policeman who has authority, but you don't know. He says, therefore, the world does not know us. Come on, are you with me? So, he listen, the world is not aware of your authority. He says, but that shouldn't make you feel like you don't have it. He says, you are a child of God. You are the sons of God. What manner of love? He says, even if the world doesn't know it. Well, they didn't know him. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. He didn't, they didn't know him. They didn't know him. They don't know you, but it shouldn't make you less confident of your rights. Listen, I'm hoping that the Lord will open your spirit to this reality. There is no greater privilege, no greater honor than to be the child of the monarch of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth. I am not trying to preach on you. I am exposing a revelation to you. It's a big deal that you are a child of God. A big deal in the spiritual realm. What manner of love? You know... This is not a good example because pastors are servants, but it it humbled me a little bit. Something happened. I was in Birmingham, United Kingdom. My children were playing. There were other adults there and just a couple of children. Everybody was playing, you know. So one of my daughters did something, and and I said, oh, don't do that. And she said, okay, daddy. So one of the children she was playing with said, wait, is that your daddy? And she said, yes. And the child said, oh, you're so lucky. You know? <laughs> and I was like, it, 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 it touched me with my little achievements on, in the world. Her friends are beginning to say that. But then, I am saying by revelation, the spirit realm is looking at you and like, God is your father. Wait. 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 You mean, the one who is called King of Kings. Lord, the one to whom the seraphs would not dare look. They have to cover their face with wings. And with two other wings fly around. I mean, if that's your daddy? I mean, listen, you have access to him. You can walk to him without protocol. Come on. The Bible says the middle wall of partition has been broken down. Walk to him without protocol. You can call on him. And he will answer every time and every when. That's your daddy? Oh, you are so lucky. He said, behold, what manner of love. What manner of love. What manner of privilege the Father has given to you. That you are a son of God. Hallelujah. I want to give you 10 seconds. Thank him for his love. Thank him for his love. Thank him for his love. I want you to value it. I will tell you how to use it, but... Value it well first and thank him for it. Thank him for it. Thank him for it. What matter of love? What matter of love? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. And like I said, your sonship is the envy of the spirit realm. Now, this is where you must put on your thinking caps because we're entering Bible study. And for some of you, almost everything I'm going to say now will surprise you. Are you with me? I want to help you understand how central First John chapter 3 verse 1 is to the entire Bible. It explains our past. It explains the current. It explains the future. So when he says, Behold, what manner of love? You need to see what John saw. That text is one of the few texts in the entire Bible that summarizes the entire Bible, the entire redemption story. That single text. Because you have to understand, first and foremost, the first beings to be called son, oh, some of you won't believe it, are the angels. I know some of you have been taught that angels are no sons. Even I taught it before. And it is correct but not is not is correct but incomplete come on are you with me because words have different nuances so um, angels have never been sons the way we are sons but you have to understand that repeatedly the bible calls them sons and I I will give you context some of you your bible mind in your your mind there is a bible and the pages are switching like this and if you are a good bible student you go immediately to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4 where the Bible says, to which of the angels did he say, you are my son? This day have I begotten you. But listen, he's talking about a different rank of sonship and by the resur- resurrection of Christ. He's not talking about sonship in general, but a particular sonship and by the resurrection of Christ. Doesn't mean angels are not sons. Let's flip Bible pages now. Go with me, Genesis chapter 6 verse 2 Genesis chapter 6 verse 2 is a text you know but maybe never dawned on you it says the sons of god saw the daughters of men now look at the descriptions the terminology sons of god is at variance to the terminology daughters of men now daughters of men means Daughters that men gave birth to, right? So, sons of God is at variance to that. And many people misunderstood this, didn't understand who was being referred to as sons of God, because the Bible says that these men fell for the temptation, they took wives to themselves, and now. Some people just go to Matthew chapter 22, where God says that in in heaven will be like the angels who neither marry or are given to marriage. That's context. Even though angels in their supernatural elements cannot marry or be given to marriage, every time they visited the world, they appeared as men. Are you aware? That's why the Bible tells you to be nice to strangers because people in so doing have entertained angels. That's how come the people in Sodom were so rude and were knocking and saying, tell those men to come out. They thought they were men. And that's how they entered the problem. So are you following this now? So this, you have to understand that angels have the privilege to take on the form of a man for their function on the earth. And that's what they did. And they abused it. We will talk about why maybe this evening or tomorrow. Because angels actually do have free will. They do have free will. We'll talk about that. And they took for themselves wives. But I read this text specifically to show you that angels were called sons of God. And let me show you a simple proof. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, There were giants on the earth in those days. Can two normal human beings give birth? to people who are 10 foot tall even if what we call giants maybe extraordinarily tall humans at best maybe 8 feet right but we are talking about beings that were about 10 foot tall had 6 fingers <laughs> the Bible says Goliath had 6 fingers that's, that's, that's not the human are you with me Come on, why is your voice like that? Are you with me? Okay, I'm giving you a lot to think about, right? We are just starting. (laughs) There were giants in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men, they bore children, and these were the mighty men of old, men of renown. So when the sons of God came to the daughters of men, the result were giants being born. And by the way, just as a detraction, this is, not, this is not where I'm going to. But some people wondered, why did God destroy the world in the days of Noah? God, oh my God. It was not the destruction of humanity, but the preservation of humanity. Because giants had littered the world and were a threat to God's original creation. Do you understand what I'm saying? And in fact, I will go so far as to believe that... Noah and his family were the only pure race left. And so it was a preservation of humanity, not the destruction of humanity. I mean, think about it. No matter how bad and sinful the world has been, how can Noah preach to a whole generation and nobody believed? Things have never been that bad. Come on, are you with me? Things have never been that bad. God always has the remnants. So the reason why nobody believed is because just like fallen angels don't have the capacity to believe and to repent, uh, he, he, he preached, the Bible says he preached 60 years, about 60 years, throughout the building of the ark. The building of the ark took about six decades. No single convert. <laughs> he preached, 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 preached. Nobody believed. Come on, I get it in now. I'm just throwing that in because one day someone is going to ask you. Because it's a favorite question for atheists. Why would God create, uh, you know, humanity and destroy it? He was preserving the pure human race. Amen, somebody. Anyway, let's move on. Look at Job chapter 1 verse 6. Job chapter 1 verse 6. It says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord... And Satan came among them. Have you always wondered about this verse or not? Well, the sons of God were simply angels. Okay? Look at Job chapter 38 verse 7. This is clear. When Job, because of his trials, was challenging God... God spoke and said, who, who, who is this? Who's talking? Where were you when I created the world and hung it on nothing, a foundation of nothing? In verse 7 of Job 38, he says, when the morning stars sang together and all the songs of God shouted for joy. Now, just in case you think songs of God is referring to something else, and I'm getting it wrong, we're talking about when the world was created. Who else was there? So, he's clearly talking about angels, right? Come on, is that clear now? Yes. And so, angels were called sons of God. It's clear. Sons of Elohim. But I'm about to rock your theological boat a little more. Are you ready? Yes, sir. If they were sons of Elohim, what did that make them? <laughs> Don't worry. It's too much for you to swallow, right? Turn with me, Psalm chapter 82, verse 1. Here is what I want to show you. Angels were not just called sons of God. In a few instances, they were called Elohim. If you like, put small e. But they were called Elohim. Everybody read Psalm 82, verse 1, loud as you can, one to go. God stands in the congregation of the mighty He judges amongst the what? So, God has a congregation, a council, and he judges, listen, this is not talking about false gods. He didn't say he judges false gods. He says he judges amongst. So, there is a council over whom God presides. So, what is happening here? Elohim, Stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges amongst the Elohims. What's happening? What's he saying? So what you need to understand is that the word Elohim is not a strict word used for God alone. It's a word used for spirit beings in general. Are you seeing this? So those kind of council meetings happened. Are you with me? This is so important. And so great theologian Dr. Heiser said, as God created man to image him amongst physical creation, he created the angels for the spiritual creation. So the angels were to the spiritual creation what we are to the physical creation. Praise the Lord. And so, in Psalm chapter 8 verse 4, David, speaking by the Spirit, registered the complaint by the angels, where they said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Beef has started. And I want to tell you what the beef really is. Look at Psalm chapter 8 verse 4. Let's read it. Put on your thinking caps. Are you in church today? Are you learning anything? All right, Psalm chapter 8 verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you have visited him? You have made him a little lower than Elohim. You know, this is another text that has given people problems. Have you heard people say, oh, many people say angels, but it's actually God. Have you heard anyone say that? Oh my God, some of you gave your life to Christ last year. (laughs) So now, the word there is Elohim. Some translators say angels, some translators say God, and you're wondering wondering which is which. It is actually angels. People's hearts could not take it that it is angels that were called Elohim. All right? And I want to explain what is happening here. First and foremost, initially, it was as though the angels were to supersede over God's spiritual creation and man over God's physical creation. But now, these texts, this is the the bone of contention. They said, what is man that you are mindful of him? You have made him, the margin says, a little while lower. Can you say a little while lower? Meaning it is not forever. And so, Hebrews chapter 2 now tells you what is happening. Follow this closely. If you have been sleeping before, wake up now. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5. He says, For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection of who? He says, But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? He says, For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and crowned him with glory and honor, and set him over the works of your hand. He says, You have put all things in subjection under his feet, For in that you put all things in subjection, he left nothing that is not put under him. Oh my God. So this is authority talk we're talking about now. He now says, but we, everybody read from but. One, two, go. Uh-uh, uh-uh. We're not done with chapter two, verse eight. The person on the slide, follow me closely. He says, but now we do not see. Are you ready to read that? One, two, go. But now we do not yet see all things under him. I'm explaining a little while lower. So God's original intent was that all things will be put under man. He says, but we don't see yet all things put under man. We did not yet see it. But what then did he say? Verse 9. Who is going to usher us into this plan of God that all things will be put under man? He says, but we see who? Yes. He says, who was made a little lower than what? Yes. So what does it mean a little lower than angels? That's, that's our f- present physical frame, right? A little lower than angels. He says, a little lower than angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. We'll explain this more. But this is what God did. God came as a man, died our death, and rose up and received a name above every name. Listen, so now we have a God-man. Jesus is a man forever. Are you aware? And so it means that for him, being our prototype, man's rank has changed forever. Are you getting that? And it was always God's plan from the beginning. But Jesus launched us into it. So it was like, prophetically, the angels saw it and began to protest in advance. Like, why? So the the bone of contention is, it looks like we are stronger. We are better. We are wiser. But you want to put us under. So now we will be their servants. Some revolted. I'm explaining spiritual authority to you. Are you getting it? (laughs) So it wasn't a function of capacity. You are not stronger than Angel Michael, I assure you. (laughs) So when the Bible describes angels as ministering spirits who minister for those who are heirs of salvation, that's authority, that's grace, that's privilege, and some revolted. And this is what instigated the serpent in the garden to try to put man at variance with God to just spoil that relationship because they couldn't take it. Hallelujah. What I just explained is the origin of spiritual warfare. You know, you've read many things about the fall Of Lucifer that are not in the Bible. That he persuaded one third of the angels. To join him to gang up against God. Do do you know who God is? You believe that the devil fought God. You you believe that, that that they were fighting like this. You know, and all those movies. You say, hey! Dodge, 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 you know? I've told you before. See, Satan is not the equal opposite of God. They are not mates at all. Listen, God has never fought Satan. God will never fight Satan. That's, that's child Abuse. Listen, the prophecy of the end has already told you. At the end, who is going to bind Satan in chains? Michael. The Bible tells us in book in the book of Revelations that Mike the Archangel will bind Satan in chains and throw him into a lake of fire. Not God. They are not mates. Have you read about God? You know what David said? He says that God humbles himself to behold the heavens. So he's saying that the fact that he's sitting on a throne, ah, you don't understand. The fact that he's sitting on a throne, the Bible calls it humility, that he humbles himself. He is there for interaction. He is there to reveal himself because no space can contain him. That's the person you want to gang up against. How was Satan able to do it? To persuade angels? That's not what happened. So every fall of fallen angels, first and foremost, it didn't happen once. There have been different falls. There was a fall in Genesis 3. There was a fall in Genesis 6. There was a fall when Babylon happened. Come on, are you with me? So now in the spirit world, I will explain this more in the evening. You have fallen angels. And then, let me surprise you. The angels that kept not their first estates, those ones are bound in chains. Are you aware? So where the demons come from? They are bound in chains. The fallen angels are bound in chains. So where the demons come from? Put on your thinking caps. It's simple. Are you ready for this? Yes, sir. So when humans die... They either go to heaven or to Abraham's bosom out or, or, or hell. Those giants when they died, what happens to their spirits? So demons are disembodied giants. that's where they came from. Come on are you with me don't worry some of you maybe you don't really need all these details. <laughs> But I, I want to explain it's it's important for where we are going. And so the jealousy was so when you when you go back and read the text that talk about Lucifer, you will see that the Bible clearly says you were in Eden, you were in Eden until pride was found in your heart. And so what he wanted to do was to usurp authority. By taking the place of man, by tempting man. Come on, are you with me? I, if we have time in the evening, we'll break this down even more. But understand this. The, re, the, the revolt is, what is man that you are mindful of him? I'll never forget 2011. <clears throat> to the glory of God, the glory of his name, I had humbled a fallen angel. He had been bragging, 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 you know. And I stepped into the room, and he fell under the floor. And he was trying to get up, and he couldn't get up. And in pure jealousy and wrath, she looked up and he screamed at God. Why do you love them so much? I will never forget that day. I saw authority. You could tell that he was angry. That I normally, with these people... You get what I say? <laughs> but now he's on the floor, helpless. He's like... Why do you love them so much? He said, they don't even deserve it. I said, you are correct. <laughs> I waited for him to finish so I can cast him out. And that's why you need to listen to my first teaching Reboot Camp last year. We are the preservation of the rest. The church is the reason why the devil has not dealt with unbelievers the way he wants to. You know, that day, he said, we are waiting for you people to go. He was talking about the rapture. He said, when you go, the ones that are left, he said, we will... He was you know... <coughs> He said, we will eat their flesh. We will tear them apart. He we... says, so because of you people. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. Salt is for preservation. Are you with me? You have to understand just our presence in the world. The fact that we have the Holy Spirit is why the world is still, it has still, still has some sanity. The only people with the presence of God, no one is family. The moment they enter the ark, chaos. That's how the end will be. The moment there is a rapture. The moment we leave, That's when people will know that this world has no foundation. That's why. Come on, are you getting this? Are you following this? So, now, so I'm explaining that... You've been given a privilege. You've been brought into sonship. The Bible says, he tasted death so that by the grace of God, eh, he will bring many sons into glory. I want to help you understand that sonship, that privilege. What manner of love, John said, the Father has given unto you that you should be called the son of God. So you need to understand the level of authority. So now, when the Bible talks about sonship, He talks about it in like four major categories. I want to explain three of them to you. So when you hear son, the Bible is more often than not referring to what I call God-men. What did I call it? Now, only two humans in the history of the world fall into that category. The first Adam and the last Adam. What do I mean by a God-man? A God-man is any human being that has walked this earth and did not come here by natural procreation. Any human that walked this earth and did not come here by natural procreation. So only two people fall into that category. Jesus in the virgin birth and Adam. So let's look at it. In Luke chapter 1, the angel had appeared to Mary and to tell her, Virgin lady, you're going to have a child. And so she wants explanation. I'm a virgin. How shall these things be, seeing that I know not a man? And then the angel responded. The Holy Ghost shall overshadow you. Nothing sexual. But do you understand? The Holy Ghost shall overshadow you. The power of the highest will come upon you. It says, because of that, because no man had a part in this procreation, He says, because it was the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, says, therefore, that holy thing that shall be born of you shall be called the Son of the Highest. Come on, are you with me? Because, listen, if you were Mary's friend, and she was the champion of celibacy on social media, and you saw her months after with swollen stomach, you say, hey, don't hide her. Come, 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 come. (laughs) And you say, who is the daddy? If she must mention someone, do you understand what I'm saying? And again, please don't look at this carnally. Nothing sexual happened. It was an overshadowing, just the same way the Holy Spirit moved over the face of the deep at the beginning. Are you with me? Uh Uh-huh. You know, so an overshadowing took place. So because there was no man involved in the procreation, therefore he is the son of God. Are you with me? And the Bible used the same language for the first Adam. Look at Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. So now in Luke chapter 3, you have what is called the genealogy. This person gave birth to this person. This person gave birth to this person. And the genealogy continued until it got to Enoch verse 38. It says the son of Enosh... The son of Seth, the son of Adam, who is what? The son of God. Why did he call Adam the son of God? Because he has no daddy. So when you talk about sonship, you are referring to maybe God, men, And only two people fall under that category. Another dimension of sonship is by resurrection. Resurrection. Come on, are you with me? The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 verse 4, speaking of Jesus, that he was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Romans chapter 1 verse 4. So it means, oh my God, when you talk about Jesus being the son of God, you are talking about two different things. In fact, three, it's either you are referring to the fact that he was born of a virgin or You are referring to the resurrection. And that's why the Bible says he is, what we call only begotten is wrong. The Greek word that we translate as only means alone. There are difference. There's a difference. Alone means separation, uniqueness. Are you getting what I'm saying? It means that there are other begotten sons, but he's unique. There is no son like Christ's. Uniquely begotten. This is Bible study. It's important. I'm telling you, listen, when it comes to spiritual warfare, I have discovered, eh? It is not just by exerting yourself. There is what to know. You must behold. That's why I'm taking my time like this. That's why I'm taking my time like this. Look at Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13, from verse 30 to 33. I'll wrap this up soon and we'll continue in the evening. Are you being blessed already? It says, but God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem who are his witnesses to the people, and we declare to you, glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God fulfilled this for us, his ch- their children, in that he has raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son, today have I begotten you. So, in what way do you mean, today have I begotten you? By the resurrection, right? There is something I wanted to explain about John chapter 3, but time will not permit. Let me quickly just skim through and see if you can catch it. So in John 3, first and foremost, when God said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When he said gave, what was he referring to? Okay. Put on your thinking caps. The Bible says, for with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto. He says, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that what? God what? You shall be what? Now, think carefully. What saves us believing that Jesus died or that not just did he die, he was raised from the dead? What did that text say? If you shall believe and confess that God raised him from the what? You shall be what? So listen, it means that if Jesus only died and did not rise, you know what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, your faith is vain. The reason the death is important And the death is beneficial is because he was raised. Oh my God. Do you understand that? I'm going to try to unpack this for you if you remind me some more time. It's very important. So when he says that whosoever believes in him should not perish, what must you believe? Just that he died? You must believe that he died and rose. So now to the next question. When he says he gave his only begotten son, was he talking about in the incarnation or in the resurrection? Good. You are thinking well now. So, now you are thinking, but well, how did he give? Because you were thinking, if, it is, if he gave his son, that must have been referring to death. You are wrong. He gave his son to die. He raised up his son, and he gave him back to us again. When the Bible says, he gave him... To be the head of all things to the church. That's in the resurrection. Are you with me? <laughs> Some of you are all the laugh at you. Read Bible, you no go read. See the way you are looking at me you now. <laughs> so now, when we come to the final two scriptures, I want to share with you. Oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So now. It looks like what God always did with the angels, he's doing with his sons, with the church. And you see that council idea. God wants to decide on Sodom and Gomorrah, but he talks to Abraham. Think about that. And there is a negotiation. Oh, if you find 50 people, will you destroy? And he says, oh, I won't destroy. What if you find 30 Will you destroy? No, I won't destroy. What if you find 20? Now, there is that council. Are you getting what I'm saying? I am telling you that when it comes to sonship in its true manifestation, you have a part to play in what God is doing on the earth. Listen, one of the worst things that can happen to the church is to reduce Christianity to coming to church to ask for things. It's a temptation of the devil to make turning stone to bread the proof of sonship. You think that that's what spiritual rank is for. Instead of proving sonship by sacrifice and by purpose, you want to prove it by convenience. It's a temptation, and the devil doesn't mind a church that is only obsessed with needs. Come on, are you with me? And so a son of God knows it is written man shall not live by what? (laughs) But by what? So meaning what makes you a son is that you live by the word of God meaning what you see your father do you do. What is God doing on the earth? I'm an envoy of God on the earth. That's the third meaning of sonship. It means envoy. Come on are you with me? So in what way were angels sons? They had the privilege to represent God. So the fact that they could take the message of God to a place or the counsel of God to a place and execute it. That is what made them sons. And I'm telling you, in that way and more, the second definition and the third definition describes the church. Because we are products of the resurrection. Do you understand what I'm saying? By baptism, when Christ died, we died. When he was raised, we were raised. And now he has brought many sons to glory. So we come under the second category. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are sons of the resurrection. And then we have become representatives of God on the earth. And so by right and privilege, God has put all things under our foot. And he, he now tells us, he says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound where? He says, whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed where? That's authority. You, so now, oh my God. Oh my God. I want to start with the simple things. When it comes to your health, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to all these things and they are small things, you can use authority. But I am saying, there is more. Come on, are you with me? You have been brought into a partnership with God partnership where God wants to do something and he's saying who shall I send who will go for us and, and a man can volunteer it, it's that type of meeting do you understand what I'm saying those kind of councils happened with the angels and now God wants to involve you God wants to involve you that's how to live a life of purpose So when you travel out for masters, you're not just thinking of academics. You're thinking, what is God doing in this city? Do you understand what I'm saying? So when God sees people who understand sonship, he begins to trust them with more. He can brag about you and say, I know Abraham. He will command his children after him. That's a revelation of sonship and authority. God can begin to trust you with burdens. He can put a burden for a place in your heart, so that your prayer time is not is not reading with selfishness, only about job, only about food. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Abraham is interceding about Sodom. They don't even know someone is praying for them. Guess what? There is no proof he had ever been there before. Are you with me? but he's interceding and it looked like the fate of the place depended on him. That's sonship. Come on, are you with me? What are the dealings of God with you? What part are you playing in his end time agenda? Huh? A round off. Turn your Bibles. Second Corinthians five. There's a lot, and that's why I like meetings like this that have many sessions. I don't have to rush it. We'll continue in the evening, right? <laughs> Ay my God! Ha, 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 ha. Look at Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. Is the text you know very well? Put it up. You know, I have said this that this text that is used to describe salvation more accurately describes ministry than salvation. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, oh my God, he is a new creation. All things, the problem is we think all things refers to sin. Not just sin. Old things means old things. Everything encapsulated. Old priorities. Old focus. Do you understand? He's telling you that in Christ, your focus and your priority has changed. All things are passed away and he says, behold. You see that word again? He says, all things are become new and then he begins to tell you what is new. Look at the next verse. It says, Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself. Listen. So, if this was about salvation, it would have stopped here. Come on, are you with me? Because when many people are quoting 2 Corinthians 5.17, they think he's talking about salvation. But when he, when he got to verse 18, he didn't just say, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself. It's not just about reconciliation. He has reconciled us to himself and has what? Given us what? The ministry of reconciliation. So when he says all things have become new, he's talking about new priorities in ministry. You see life and your existence in a different way. You are here on an assignment. One of the first things the Lord told me when I started hearing him He said, children are the responsibility of the kingdom. He said, but sons are responsible for the kingdom. And immediately, as I began to meditate on it, I thought about it how that when you're growing up in a house, as a toddler, you wake up in the morning, you know, and then your mommy lays your bed. They wash your clothes. They do everything. Do You say, "Um, I want to eat Rice Krispies. Your mommy will rush to the kitchen, make it for you. But when you are 15, in the same house, just lay your bed, just wake up, scatter your room, anyhow, and go out. When you come back, there'll be a problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because a time comes in maturity where you and your parents are partners to keep the house in order. If there will be food, you have a part to play. Just imagine. In a typical African home, a 17-year-old comes in and says, I'm hungry. What's for lunch? They... What will happen? News may carry it. <laughs> you know? In that same house that you were spoon-fed years ago, a time will come if you're hungry, go into the kitchen, fix something. It was strange at first, when the Lord was revealing to me by encounters what he was going to do through me, and he gave me this song, Holy Ghost, you and I will change the world. It, 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 it was strange to me at the time, but as I studied, I understood it, because you see, the lenses of someone with a sense of responsibility is different. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because God is saying, who shall I send? He's looking for partners. He's looking for partners. I want to show you something. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of good scriptures that I skipped. <laughs> God help me. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. We are still coming back to 2 Corinthians 5. Oh, Holy Ghost. (laughs) Hmm. Oh, my God. When I look at this, (laughs) you know what comes to my mind, honestly? Levels. Please, be determined to do big things for God. Are you with me? Look at it. He says, we are God's fellow workers. We are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. He's saying, I'm walking with God in your life. Now, that's powerful, and that's important, but there is a stage of development where the pastor says, till we all come. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't remain like this. You must be able to say this to someone you're discipling. Now, that's sonship. We are workers together with God. Workers together with God. Please, are you listening to me? Go back very quickly to 2 Corinthians 5. Where did we stop? Verse 18, right? And what does 18 say? Very quickly. It says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Say, I have a ministry. So now, listen to me. Just in case you do not know, never again in your life say you don't know why you're on earth. Any Christian... Who claims not to know his purpose is selfish. You is money. Because because you are thinking of how the purpose will bring money. That's why you think you have not found it. I don't know my purpose. You know, you know. (laughs) Ministry of reconciliation, that's your purpose. He reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Oh my God. Look at verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, you know, baby Christians, stop here. Oh, thank you for saving me. Thank you, my Lord. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with the fact that he's not imputing your sins against you. It doesn't stop there. He says he has committed to them The word of reconciliation, I like this. Listen, and this is how you understand the sense of responsibility. He says, God was in Christ reconciling, and now he has given you the message of reconciliation. I think it's powerful. You might have heard me say this before, but you need to hear it again. That in a sense, we continue where Christ stopped. That God was in Christ providing reconciliation, and he's in us announcing reconciliation. We are continuing the assignment from a different point. God in Christ provided reconciliation and now, we are now seeing a minute, we are as responsible for this mission as Christ was. Are you listening to me? Yes, sir. Jesus did it. We tell it. Some of you would have considered this a more powerful sermon if I dwelt on your needs. But don't you understand? If you get what I am telling you, the needs will become small. A man on assignment will not lack Are you listening to me? If you understand assignments, you will touch a dimension of power that is rare. Please, listen to me. Even in countries where guns can be owned by civilians, there are types of guns civilians are not allowed to own. There are dimensions of power you will only touch in purpose. And that's why there seems to be a disparity for many people. Why you are reading powerful stories in the Bible and you are trying to practice it, and you are wondering why it's not working. Those men were on a mission for God. You, you are on a mission for your stomach. There will always be a difference. Please, are, are you getting what I'm saying? When you discover God's purpose, why, oh my God. You, you Listen, sonship is not on your own account. Sonship is... Assignment based. I am a representative of God of his mission on the earth. I must know that mission to be powerful. I must know that mission to be to, to be significant in the grand scheme of things. And when I understand it, it changes everything. Put up that text again, Second Corinthians 5:19. Hmm, hmm. Hmm. Oh my God. Thank you, Jesus. You see, ministry is easy for me. Ministry is not the hardest thing I've ever done. Did you hear what I said? Because I am not here by ambition. Sir, God called me. And when God calls you, it's like a fish in water. I'm not saying there will not be challenges, but it will be clear that there is divine backing. Are, are you with me? There is there's divine backing. There is divine backing. There is divine backing. If you want to function in power, understand authority. That if I go where God says to go, no force of hell can stop me. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a jurisdiction for power. When you understand sonship, being a representative of God, nothing can stop. And then the devil will try by any means to bring you out of, you know, out of fellowship with God. To contravene the things that God has said to you. Did God say that you cannot eat of any tree in the garden? He will try to redefine the terms. And then when Eve says no, we can eat of any tree in the garden. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we cannot eat it. You know, he, you know what he will say? You shall surely not die. Oh. <laughs> he has redefined death. You know how I know he redefined death? Because this is what he did. Very smart. And never forget this. He tried to bring benefits in what God said they should not do. He said, God knows that in the day you eat of this tree, your eye will be open. Didn't that happen? Yes. And he said, You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Did that not happen? Listen, God Himself, when they ate the tree, said, Seeing that men, they are like me, knowing good and evil. So, what then? was the death in that. And this is where the devil deceives people. They really did die. So both were correct. So the devil both lied and told half-truth. He lied in telling them they won't die. But he tried to bring some false benefits. And There's a reason I'm telling you this. False benefits in doing what God said you should not do. I'm telling you this so that you will recognize the voice of Satan today. When God tells you that marriage is honorable in all things, bared undefiled, the devil will come and tell you. What about this family that were celibate and they got married only for the woman to discover that the man. I can't finish it. <laughs> if you don't get it, So listen, this is how to recognize the voice of the serpent. He will try to bring another perspective. Are you with me? See, when the serpent was done talking, the Bible says Eve began to see the fruit different. She saw the fruit as one desirous to make one wise. Just by looking at it, her perspective of the fruit changed. Has anything happened in the media that tried to change your perspective? That maybe you've been in church all your life. The Bible taught you this and this in the word of God. Then your perspective began to change. Ah, are we not too serious like this? Are we not taking it too far like this? Your perspective became watered down. Ah, this fruit that I thought was an abomination. Maybe it's not that bad. That's the voice of the serpent. Are you listening to me? I'm explaining this to you to explain how you can lose authority. I'm telling you. The devil wants to bring you to his realm so that he can deal with you. Interestingly, you know one of the things that happened? God told the man, and listen, this is where man lost his rights. God told the man, you were made from dust, to dust you will return. And then he told the serpent, dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And that spiritual imagery made man a victim to the serpent, because the serpent is supposed to eat dust, and man is dust. Are you getting what I'm saying? Stand in your position well. The devil is trying to put you in a vulnerable position to get an inroad so that he can attack you. When you stand in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free, it becomes easy. Please, are you with me? So if sonship is the greatest rank, it's not about capacity. Don't try to, <laughs> don't try to fight the devil. When you stand before a demoniacal force, don't come in your own rights. Come in Christ. And that's why if you're here and you're not born again, you stand no chance. You stand no chance. If you're not born again, don't be surprised you under attack. What do you mean? Why can the devil visit his own son? (laughs) It's a wicked world. Listen, this devil is wicked. This devil is wicked. Please don't play games. Know this God. Listen, if you are not born again, don't stop playing church. You must be born again in this meeting. Are you listening to me? There's a wicked devil out there. Every every time, you know, I get the opportunity to preach to people and I hear hear and see different kinds of things. If you don't know God, the devil likes to make mess of people. I went to preach in a school and I saw a lady with a peculiar kiss. the devil will make her, she had a demon, and the demon will make her pluck hair from her privates and eat it. That was one of the habits she had. Does that make sense to you? Now, what was that supposed to do? Just because the devil hates that you are a son of God, so he just wants to reduce your position. And that's why the conditions for selling your soul Will, will make you demean yourself. They say you want to join a cult. Eat shit. Why don't you see? <laughs> Laugh, but you know it's true. Because the devil constantly wants you to sell your birthright. That's why, son of God, they carry you to the river, remove your cloth. You are carrying calabash. They are playing. They are playing drum. You are dancing like this. And the angels are looking. You see, you see now? Look at, look, look at the one that they give authority. They carry calabash, they do like this. <laughs> you know? At your age, Baba, remove your cloth, it's bathing you. At your age, you, you see your rep outside. You do ritual. The money you have, there are people who work legitimately that are still richer than you. Is it not a shame? Is it not a shame? You should be ashamed. After walking naked in the market, someone who just focused hard work is still richer than you. And you sold your soul for that. You sold your soul. And someone who just focused on his work, I resist the devil. Are you with me? Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. By evening and tomorrow, we'll talk about the small ones. Um, demonic oppression. Don't worry. Those ones are small. If I shout in this microphone, chains will break. Don't worry. Uh, Let's start with the more important thing. Take your position well in God. Are you with me? Give no place to the devil. Because the Bible tells that because he's seeking a place. If you don't know, know it now. Know it now. And so camp meetings like this are not just to come and be blessed and receive healing, and receive, you arrange your life, you assess yourself. Anything that I'm doing, that may may be giving an inroad to the enemy, you you repent. You repent. You repent. Because the devil is looking for an opportunity to get you. You have an adversary, stop playing games. There's someone actively plotting to get you. One of the stories I tell all the time, because it's, it's, I mean, it still touches me every day. There was a young boy in school, one of the brightest minds I've ever seen. I think he had nine A's in Wayek, all A's but one. Bright chap, got into university, first semester, all A's. Second semester, all A's. two hundred level, first semester, all A's. Then, second semester, develop the mental problem. Oh. See, the devil is. Don't play games. Please, are you listening to me? I've seen things, oh. I'm young, but I have mileage. Do you know what they call mileage? <laughs> I have journeyed. So, I got the opportunity to pray for him. The moment I laid hands on him, that's the first time I... See, when you hear things like, man is a spirit, has a soul, lives in a body. You see, there is classroom, I've seen it. As I laid hands on him, his spirit cried out. "Help me. He has tormented me since I was a child. Now, the boy in his normal mind thought that this problem just started about a year ago. And then another voice that was neither his conscious mind or his spirit man, another voice, deeper voice, now started speaking. He said, June 6, 2000, 2000, no, sorry, June 6, 1996, he said, Bishop, he cast me out of someone and I entered this boy as a baby. The day he was born, that was his birthday. He said because he was fine. He made we angels jealous. He, He said he was fine. Now, the demon entered and stayed there quietly for about 18 years. Did not show any sign. Was building capacity. And showed up later. You know, there are some things we joke with. Now, what made me annoyed was, I was wondering who did the naming ceremony for this boy? Because some people will say, um, no need to come to church. No need to do naming ceremony. Or they go to a church that talks down on power. Maybe they just hear the boys say, just sang sang some songs. Just Jesus plus, Jesus minus there." Okay, go. Sometimes when I see people talk down on power, I want to fight them. Because, you know, There are stories, if I tell you, you may not sleep this night. There's a girl. At the age of six, grandma came to the house because Grandma was sick. The parents wanted to take care of her as responsible parents. They didn't know that Grandma was about to go, so she wanted to do handover. So, that night, Grandma came to her in the night. She was six and gave her granot. When she ate the granot, she woke up with a strong sexual urge went to a child in the house sexually so the, she was supposed to she was controlled to to seal the initiation with sex so woke up semi-conscious went did it and from that night became a queen the only thing I want to say, imagine I'm, I'm casting out the devil and the devil says yeah, she's our queen. You know, so so. You, you, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a deep word. Wake up! Are you listening to me? Grandma died not too long after. Handover complete. I can tell you stories upon stories. Please stop playing games. In fact, that that story is not complete. I don't want to complete it. You can't take it. You can't take it. Hmm. Hallelujah. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Uh If I have time, I will explain... What that all those terminologies? What they mean? But for now, I am telling you: Listen, you may be prayerful like Cornelius. Pra- Cornelius was prayerful, but he was not born again. So you may be here praying with us, and you are not born again. I'm not trying to scare you. It's a fact. Eh? Did there? <laughs> there's there's we we. <laughs> It is the world that does not know who we are. The spirit where knows who. If you are not in Christ, you are vulnerable. Obviously vulnerable. Obvious. And, and these things spread fast. That's what annoys me. It spreads fast. This young boy in, this, in, in the school who had a false spirit, he was prophesying to people, spot on prophecy, but it was a demon. Are you listening to me? It was a demon. And then he would tell them, go and bring snacks. He would bless the snacks and give them. By the the time it was done, by the time I had met him, I had to call all those people. All of them are demons. That's how fast this thing spreads. A lady came to me, said, My younger sister... went to school, she always complained she had a classmate that behaved strange like she had a demon. So, in the class, the classmate would just fall and start saying funny things. In class, just imagine you're testing, you know, (coughs) uh, home economics. And the child would just start shaking and saying things. Before they knew it, she too, she started doing the same thing. And her own was worse. So, so she was so much trouble in the school, they wanted they had advised her to withdraw so she brought her to me as I laid hands on her, a demon manifested I cast the demon out, as I turned my back to go the Lord said, pray that anyone in the family affected by the same thing will be delivered so I came back, I said, anyone in the family affected by, as I was talking, the lady who brought us there, <laughs> <laughs> It, it does not take time. Are you listening to me? So that's how it can spread to a whole family. In no time. In no time. But they that know their God. Are you listening to me? You don't sound strong. I said, they that know their God shall be what? And they shall what? Please take your position in God. Take your position in God. Listen, I, it's too risky for you to just wake up. You won't pray. They're, in this wicked world, they are still begging you to pray. Are you joking? You just wake up uh-huh, and you enter the road like that. It's too risky. It's too risky. Stop playing games. Stop playing games. I'm going to teach you some things this evening. If you have children, you must learn to cover them. You are a priest in your home. Are you with me? Parenting is not paying school fees. It's more than that. You are a priest. Once in a while, go to their rooms. Lay hands on them. Speak in tongues. Come on, are you with me? There must be more investment in your children than money. Cover your kids. Cover your family. Take authority over your relatives. Speak over them. Mention their names. Are you with me? Write down your seat. Just speak in tongues for a bit. Speak in tongues. Speaking tongues, speaking tongues. Sapalato to sepeleto kapila, ronsom presta pila retoko copatecaia shanda capale torica lembonde capilo to vrestali ronsom presta capote rezo toca pacatoke lechataria random brassapatoke londere pecava parason de capale rendom brassapa parratore rondele matabile na Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000. Blessings.